Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show is a platform for Queen's researchers to discuss the significance to and benefits of their research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston, and we're located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca research. In this episode, I'll be discussing Dr. Janet Dancy's role as the director of the Canadian Cancer Trials Group and her research into anti-cancer drug development. Let me provide a little biographical background on Dr. Dancy. Dr. Janet Dancy is the director of the Canadian Cancer Trials Group, also known as the CCTG, and she's a professor in the Department of Oncology at Queen's. She's also the scientific director of the Canadian Cancer Clinical Trials Network, which is abbreviated as 3CTN, for the Ontario Institute for Cancer Research. The CCTG has over 80 member institutions, comprising over 2,100 Canadian investigators who've facilitated over 500 trials in more than 40 countries. They are also the only non-American partner of the U.S. National Clinical Trials Network. Prior to joining the CCTG, Dr. Dancy was Senior Clinical Investigator in the Cancer Therapy Evaluation Program at the U.S. National Cancer Institute, and then Associate Chief of the Investigational Drug Branch. Her research expertise lies in anti-cancer drug uh, development, linking drug and biomarker development, and associated clinical trials methodology. Very impressive, Janet. I'm delighted that you're here. Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's been a while since I've been on a blind date, so I'm kind of really interested and enthusiastic and a little bit anxious about it. Well, let's let's just have fun. (laughs) Sounds great. Talk to, talk to our listeners about the importance of clinical trials for drug development, drug delivery. Um, how have clinical trials evolved in the last 10 or 20 years? Well, I think anybody who has ever interacted with the healthcare system because they've developed uh, an illness of some sort has actually benefited from a clinical trial. Um, clinical trials are research studies that are designed to test whether a health intervention actually works. Uh, And so they're very standardized uh, research studies where patients will get a hopefully new and improved treatment versus a standard of care. And at the end of the study, we want to know whether it works or not. And so every treatment that we have in cancer or in other settings as well has had to go through a clinical trial testing Uh, development process to prove that it works, that it's safe, that it's effective, that it provides benefit to people. So when you say safe, would the clinical trial be uh, testing of the intervention on laboratory animals, or how how would you determine the safety aspect? Well, before we would even consider setting up a clinical trial for people testing a new intervention, it's probably gone through a series of laboratory experiments. 
in some cases just testing the effect of a drug on cell lines grown in dishes, and then progressing to experiments in animals um, that, in my case, or in my area of expertise, might have cancer or uh, might be animal studies to evaluate purely for the whether there are significant side effects that could be anticipated to occur in humans. That all has to be completed before we consider um, starting a human study. So in the case of, of the very first trials that we do, testing a new drug in, in people, we basically know and, and adjust the starting dose and carefully titrate the dose and the schedule to make sure that patients who volunteer for these studies are unlikely to suffer significant harm. Um, and they're monitored very carefully, and expert physicians will intervene if there's any evidence of uh, problems arising to try to mitigate uh, whatever that problem is or any risk of that problem occurring. Right. It sounds like it, this would be a very fastidiously uh, monitored but also very long process in terms of to- you know the amount of time it takes to do the clinical trials and then the, the practical human uh, um, trials. Can you give us a sense of, of is there like a, a, a typical time period? And how has this changed uh, like f- over the last 10 or 20 years? Well, it does take a long time. Um, typically, it, it might take up to five to ten years just in the laboratory stage of wow. evaluation. Um, because often, for a drug at least, there's a period of identifying a particular, particular chemical structure molecule that might have an effect and then optimizing it to make sure that it's a type of drug, a type of chemical that you can give to people without having adverse effects or problems in terms of its uh, chemistry in people. So that might take five to 10 years, actually, depending on the challenges of developing the right molecule to give to people. On average, the clinical development might take an additional 10 years. Wow. Um, and But there have been, especially in recent years, some really rapidly developed drugs. And the reason they've gone through such a rapid development is because there was a pre-existing science that helped identify what exactly was wrong in this cancer, what genetic mutation caused the cancer to survive and thrive and grow, and... That was married to identifying a drug that specifically interacted with that abnormality. And by interacting with that abnormality, induced cancer cells to die. So it was a very rapid development process because the science was there, the chemistry was there, and the effect in people was evident right from the very beginning, right from the earliest clinical studies that were done. And when that happens, those types of drugs get uh, through their evaluation very quickly, are approved and marketed and reimbursed and prescribed to people. So we have now examples of, of cancer treatments that have gone from the laboratory to the clinic to approval to patient standard of care in less than five years. Wow. And and do we have uh, interventions now that have been developed that are being put into practice, or are we still uh, in that process of determining how to do it? Is it safe? Who you know? Who can we uh, 
um, target as uh, people who would be uh, candidates for this intervention? Well, the the great thing about um, cancer research, and I suspect all areas of research, is there's a whole community of investigators and investigations going on any given time. Some of it is focused on drug development, and in that case, there's a lot of work that pharmaceutical industries and biotech industries are doing, as well as groups like ours, which are purely academic, university research-based um, people who are, are studying treatments to, to ensure that they are better within the context of the whole spectrum of cancer and the patients with cancer. Um, but there's also lines of investigation around lifestyle interventions. Our group is testing exercise intervention and its impact on cancer recurrence risks. We're testing um, radiation treatment, new surgical interventions, dietary interventions, <laughs> smoking cessation interventions, all sorts of things. And so at any given time, there are many avenues being explored, um, both in the laboratory and in the clinic and, and in clinical trials. Um, so that in any year, there's always something that we can appoint to and say, look at these things have changed the standard of practice and will improve outcomes for patients with cancer from this point onward. It's much broader than I anticipated. I, you know, I think of uh, oncology, I think of you know, people in white coats with beakers and, you know, very science quantifiable kind of stuff. And it, it, I know that... Uh, uh, um, your your uh, Canadian Cancer Trials Group, it's, it's a cooperative network, isn't it, of researchers and physicians and scientists and statisticians and all across the world. So it's, it's fascinating to me in terms of the output, but it's also fascinating to me in terms of the administrative coordination and the, the knowledge sharing and all the logistical things that have to happen to make something um, like what you're involved in work. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'd, I'd be happy to. I could talk for hours, but we only have, I think, about five <laughs> minutes more or something. Yeah. Um, so a real key thing about uh, cancer clinical trials is that they are only possible through collaboration. And that was evident very early on, um, certainly in the history of our group and the history of clinical trials in Canada. So we were, we as, as a nation, if you like, were one of the first who really embraced evidence-based ev medicine. So using evidence to make informed treatment decisions. Uh, and that was led by the group at McMaster. Um, we were also very fortunate in that the Canadian Cancer Society recognized the value of research and potentially clinical, and, and, and specifically clinical trials research and provided a large grant to Joe Pater, who founded the Clinical Trials Group Operations Center here at Queen's and was instrumental in creating the network. So cancer clinicians and patients, nobody's satisfied until we actually cure this disease. And I think we all recognize that to do that, to have an impact on this complicated problem, we have to collaborate. Um, and so it was straightforward, I think, for people to make the decision, whether they were in British Columbia or Edmonton, uh, Alberta, or on the East Coast, that they collaborate on trials. Um, and so over the last almost 40 years now, we've had expert investigators, clinicians, patients, uh, and the uh, Clinical Trial Center here sort of working together to develop trials that address 
different problems for people with different types of cancer, where the interventions themselves cover that whole spectrum because there's promise there. There's the potential that they will be better. Um, and we are one of a group around the world um, who are similarly minded. And so it was obvious that we should all collaborate together. So the international network of trial groups is actually quite integrated and we share knowledge and we, we collaborate and partner on different trials to get them done quicker. That's fantastic. I feel reassured that people like you are doing this important work. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston. We're located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. I end every episode of Blind Date with Knowledge by asking my guests to tell us a joke or recite a poem or inspirational quotation or reference a song related to their research or their personal motivation associated with their research. So, Janet, back to you. So this is a hard one. Um, but in the end, what I'd like to do is, is quote Rosalind Franklin. So Rosalind Franklin uh, is a Brit- was a British chemist and was actually instrumental in identifying the structure of DNA. She unfortunately died of ovarian cancer in 1958 mm. when she was in her 30s. Mm. And this was unfortunately four years before the Nobel Prize for DNA was awarded. Mm. And that prize isn't awarded posthumously. Um, so she didn't get, she didn't join in the Nobel Prize for DNA that was awarded to Watson and Crick and, and Wilkins. Um, but she was a key collaborator and partner in that endeavor. So her quote, um, which has informed, if you like, my thinking as well, was along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, you look at science often, we often look at science as something apart from real life. Right. But science and everyday life cannot be and should not be separated. And the context of clinical trials Essentially, for making any kind of improvement in cancer, we need to base the design of our trials in what's going on in real life. What are the problems patients are encountering with their cancer? What's the best way of treating them for that cancer? And how do we ensure ourselves that we're improving their lives, their quality of life, and mitigating any problems that they may have Um, over their cancer journey. That's wonderful. It's a lovely value and um, appreciate the work you're doing. My guest in this episode of Blind Date with Knowledge has been Dr. Janet Dancy, Director of the Canadian Cancer Trials Group located at Queen's, and Janet's also Professor of Oncology. If you have a question about anything related to research that you would like discussed by our guests, or if you have any comments about today's conversation with Janet, please email me, Barry Kaplan, at bdwk at cfrc.ca. Thank you very much for tuning in.
This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.